you have a copy of the scripture, we will be in Acts chapter 15 again, continuing our systematic study. We left off um, at verse 30, and we will be reading through verse 35 this morning. So prepare your hearts as this is God's word to you. So when they were sent away, they went down to Antioch, and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. When they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. Judas and Silas, also being prophets themselves, encouraged and strengthened the brethren with a lengthy message. After they had spent some time there, they were sent away from the brethren in peace to those who had sent them out. But it seemed good to Silas to remain there. But Paul and Barnabas stayed in Antioch, teaching and preaching with many others also the word of the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Oh Lord, our Heavenly Father, we, we do thank you for your word that you gave to us out of your grace that we may know you and do what pleases you. Indeed, our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. So my prayer this morning is that you will open our hearts and we may Receive what you have for us this morning. Open our blind eyes and our deaf ears and our hard hearts that we too may rejoice in your word. May it encourage us just like the brethren here in Antioch. Lead us this day, I pray, in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. We left off with the sending out of men to preach the gospel with uh, Paul and Barnabas uh, by the church in Jerusalem. And they were given a letter that we covered in its entirety last week. And for context purposes, let's read the letter. It's found in verses 23 through 29 of Acts 15. The apostles and the brethren who are elders, to the brethren in Antioch and Syria and Sicilia, who are from the Gentiles, greetings. Since we have heard that some of our number, to whom we gave no instruction, have disturbed you with their words, unsettling your souls. It seemed good to us, having become of one mind, to select men to send to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for, this, for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore we have sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will also report the same things by word of mouth, 
for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these essentials, that you abstain from things sacrificed to idols, from blood and from things strangled and from fornication. If you keep yourselves free from such things, you will do well. Farewell. When these letters were written to a collective group of people, which was oftentimes uh, written to churches in the New Testament, um, it wasn't given to, it wasn't usually given to one person, um, and they just read it to themselves. Um, the group uh, was gathered together, and the letter would be read aloud. And it would be delivered by the men who were sent from Jerusalem and then read by the congregants of the church or in Antioch, um, perhaps by the officers. Uh, then verse 31 provides their response to the letter. When they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. Throughout our study of Acts 15, there's been a common theme. It was proclaimed by Peter, then by James, and then via this letter to the church in Antioch. That is, that we are justified or saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. The people who are recipients of this message were Gentiles, who were once excluded from hearing the word of God. The Judaizers were insisting that repenting and believing was not enough for salvation, but one also needed to be circumcised. This is the, an example of the Jesus plus gospel, which of course is no gospel. Now, of course, there are plenty who might proclaim a Jesus plus gospel, um, one example being the um, Roman Catholics who will say that um, keeping the traditions are necessary for salvation. And then there are others who will teach that one must first be baptized in order to be saved. Now, there could be confusion on this one, so I'll try to clear it up. Does Jesus command that we be baptized? Yes, yes. But is it a prerequisite of salvation? No, it's not. There's nothing salvific in the waters. Baptism is an outward sign of what has taken place on the inside. What we believe is that one is saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And faith does not precede grace. Faith is a gift. But one does not obtain it without first having grace bestowed upon them. We can see that the church at Antioch rejoiced at the reading of this letter because of its encouragement. Now, what made its message encouraging? First, it removed the burden of the workspace faith that others 
We're teaching them. Next, it explained the authority by which it was sent. In verse 26, you'll see that. Men, that being Paul and Barnabas, who risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is our supreme authority. And that is who we will bow before one day. Finally, it pointed out the essential truths of the faith, which includes abstaining from what is evil in the sight of the Lord. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 1. Verses 16 and 17. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from my sight. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Remove, reprove the ruthless. Defend the orphan. Plea for the widow. These verses, especially verse 17, is often twisted and turned by our culture, as it is sought to redefine words in order to fit its own agenda. I, I can remember being in a conversation with someone a while back uh, who is not a Christian and well refused to go to church. And she just kept making excuses um, she was telling me that instead of going to church that she and her family simply went out and did good um, so did good by what standard what standard are we basing goodness and what merit would this present for God only the merit of Christ can make us right with him Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6. For all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy garment. Your translation might say filthy rags. And all of us wither like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. Such people who believe that their own merit could make us right before God does not understand total depravity. That in that on our own, we would, could not come to God because of our fallen nature. It is evil continually, and God must first initiate. Regeneration precedes faith, not vice versa. The righteousness that we have was imputed onto us by Christ. Another part of that verse that is especially twisted is the word seek justice. Again, justice. This word has been re redefined by our culture. Seeking justice is not looting businesses, destroying property, and seeking vengeance in every 
which what? Is definitely not any of that. Seeking true justice is seeking what is right, not in our own eyes, but in the eyes of the standard of goodness itself, that being God. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3, reading verses uh, 3, oh, excuse me, chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. You'll notice um, the Apostle Peter is quoting from Psalm chapter 34. Verse 10, for the one who desires life to love and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears attend to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Then, of course, there's Micah 6 8. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? Friends, God is to find justice. We are to seek justice according to his standard, not according to the standard of movements or anybody who have made it their mission to destroy Christianity as we know it. As I think about the encouragement that this letter brought to the church in Antioch, I can't help but think that for many of the churches, especially here in America, they would reject a letter such as this. But why? Well, first, because it doesn't say what their ears want to hear. Or because they want to foolishly cling onto their man-made tradition and make it salvific. This is what the Judaizers were doing throughout the chapter. Hanging on to their doctrine of circumcision. Which is a false gospel of Jesus plus. Yet, good doctrine, which is doctrine that is in accordance with God's word, ought to greatly encourage the saints. Coming here on the Lord's day to gather with one another, to pray, sing to the Lord, which is a form of prayer, sit under the preached word, to hear sound doctrine, and fellowshipping with one another ought to bring tremendous encouragement to all of us. I'm thankful to be part of a local church that does just that. They rejoice. We likewise ought to rejoice. Verse 32. Judas and Silas, also being prophets themselves, encouraged and strengthened the brethren with a lengthy message. Now, in the New Testament, this was the primary role of the prophet. Whereas in the Old Testament, 
the prophet received direct revelation from the Lord and foretold what is going to take place in the future. Of course, there are no such prophets as now the biblical canon is now closed. Um, Jesus is our final revelation. And these brothers encouraged the church with sound doctrine. This ought to be what we seek each Lord's Day morning. We should come to expect biblical teaching each and every time. There, while there may be a church on every corner, we ought not to go to the local church simply due to its proximity from us, but we ought to go to the local church that is nearest to Jesus. After they had spent time there, they were sent away from the brethren in peace to those who had sent them out. But it seemed good to Silas to remain here, to remain there. Now let's pause here for a second. Now, you may have a translation in your hand that skips verse 34 entirely, or the verse may appear in brackets. Now this is because the, um, the verse doesn't appear in the best of the original manuscripts, which where we have uh, translated the text from for numerous centuries. Um, now that does not make this text any less true. Got to keep that in mind. Nor does it make scripture err. Commentator J.A. Alexander, who was part of what's called Old Princeton, believed that this text was an explanation of how Silas could be there to take the place of Barnabas as Paul's companion in the second mission, which we'll study next week. But Paul and Barnabas stayed in Antioch, preaching and teaching, well, teaching and preaching, excuse me, with many others also, the word of the Lord. Um, we see the church sending in and sending out men to teach people from all to all over the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is a practice that's, um, that's been in the church um, time and time again. And when we're sent, we are to proclaim the one true gospel. Um, and this one true gospel brings tremendous encouragement to our fellow brethren. Um, and I pray, and it is my prayer that um, each and every one of us will be encouraged and be encouragers of others as we go with the gospel, as we're sent to wherever we're at, when the church is scattered and we aren't together, you know, Monday through Saturday, and then even after after our service this morning, that when we're scattered, we're not simply just dismissed, we are sent. We are sent to proclaim 
the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're not only sent to proclaim it, but we're sent to also live it. To live the Christian faith. To do what pleases God. To love mercy. To do justice. And to walk humbly with our God. And that is my prayer for each and every one of us this morning. That we may be encouraged, just like these brothers and sisters in Antioch, and encouragers as we've been given this gospel message as believers. So we cannot keep this to ourselves. This is such good news that needs to be shared with the entire world. That Christ Jesus came to save sinners and to redeem a people for himself. And may we all be encouraged with that gospel, that good news. Pray that as we're as we're sent, that you encourage us, encourage everybody with this gospel as well. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Oh Lord Jesus, we we thank you that you gave us this word, that you are truth. You're not just you're not you're not simply just a, a truth you are the truth you are the way the truth the light that no one comes so far except through you and thank you Jesus that you made a way that you made the way that we may be made right with you that you call us to yourself that you reconcile us as a sheep as a shepherd does his sheep, we know we, uh, we thank you that we uh, hear your voice. And then once we hear your voice, we run to you. We run to you. And you protect us from every snare that the world may throw our way. And that it is my prayer that this gospel goes forth and not only that it encourages us, but that it also will encourage all that, he, all that hear it. All who hear it. those who don't know you that they will repent of their sin and believe the gospel no other thing is necessary no works no circumcision no adhering to traditions that they just repent of their sin and believe the gospel that the Lord Jesus took our place 
on Calvary's cross, bore our shame, bore our wickedness, bore everything, placed all that upon his own shoulders, and gave to us his righteousness. And for that, we are so grateful. We thank you with everything. Thank you forever. And now as we leave here today, May we go forth encouraged by your gospel, by your living word that you gave to us out of grace. Lord, thank you for everyone who's here, everyone who's listening. And I pray that they will be that they will be blessed. Lead us this day, I pray in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. I do thank you for being here this morning. Um, as it was said earlier, that uh, we will not be um, partaking in the Lord's table this morning. However, we will be partaking of lunch in the next room. And we've got lunch prepared for you, so we we uh, we encourage you to stay and eat um, and fellowship with us, and it'll be wonderful. Um, so before we go there, um, I want to read um, from Ephesians chapter three, and this will serve as our benediction this morning. Verses 14 through 21. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, According to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Church, you are.